All right. Well, let's go ahead and get the show on the road. The show being Heavy Strategy, where we vastly prefer unanswered questions to unquestioned answers. Greg and I are here today to talk about the massive tech layoffs of 2023. Greg? It's been such a journey here where we've seen Google, Microsoft, Twitter, Meta, Facebook, among others, but they're the headline cases where they've been laying off an estimated 200,000 tech and tech adjacent folks in recent weeks. It's been interesting to see the ramifications is, and I guess the there's a lot of different angles that you want to take on this, and this is your topic, so I don't really know where to start, but I have lots to say and lots of ideas to throw around on this one. I will start by happily stealing one of my client's observations. My client is uh, a bit of a bitter cynic, despite his, his youth, and he pointed out that all the big muckety-mucks get together in Davos, and a week later came all the layoffs, and do we think that's a coincidence? And if you think I'm being being way too paranoid, I actually called some of these companies, talked to some of their senior managements and sent management and said, why are you doing this? And I swear to God, the answer off the record was everybody else's. Yes. It's, it's like, like all the cool kids mm-hmm. are laying employees off. Yeah. And Greg, you and I were talking about it when it was happening. And one of your observations was, oh, this is just a way to j- yank the leash and keep the employees in line. Now, that's a bit of a cynical take, but I do think it's partly that. I believe that there certainly is in startup world. There's a there's a transition in with the rise of inflation, and now we're seeing the cost of money go from near zero to five percent, six percent at the bank. And so, if you're going to give money to a startup and invest in funds, a year ago a five percent return was okay. Now you're looking for a ten percent return, and. So- that's hold, a massive hold on change, for a right? second with that observation, because I want you to connect the dots, not just for our listeners, but for mm-hmm. me. Google, Microsoft, et cetera, don't need startup funding. So why should the cost of a startup have anything to do with the price of tea in China? Right. Because those companies have very high valuations. They're often running on 30, 40, 50x valuations, mm-hmm. uh, you know, times revenue, not profit. They're unprofitable. Uh, Facebook right. eventually, you know, on has had a terrible time lately. And what they want to do is show the shareholders that they've got financial discipline. They're not just wasting money by pouring it out in gobs all over the place with custom chips and- Cough, 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 executive salaries, cough, cough, cough. Blah, 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 all the stuff that's going on. I mean, look at the criticisms that Facebook has received around its $10 a year for the last three years on Metaverse or VR or whatever it's going to do and nothing to show for it. So in Facebook's case, you know, the shareholders are starting to say like, you've got to do something about this. You have to get your company back in line. You can't just go and do what you want. So they're pushing back on the, you know, the tech bros in charge of these companies and saying- You've got to cut your spending and start to look like you're a serious company because we're going into a recession. And this but, is the real underlying thing is a lot of companies believe there's a recession coming. This is true. And this is an entirely, I won't say an entirely different topic because they're obviously intimately connected, but they've been you know, pounding the recession table since the mid last year. And mm. every time I look, at, look around and look at every economic indicator, it says exactly the opposite. We're at full employment. We continue to be at full employment. Mm. The second derivative of inflation is is positive. In other words, inflation is dropping, 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 dropping. Actually, negative, but you know, mm. high. Inflation has been has been plummeting. Gas prices have gone down. Every indication is there is no freaking recession happening, and yet people are clinging to the notion that a recession is happening because it has to happen because somebody said it's happening yeah. because it has to happen. Yeah, and, and, and they can create it with that mindset. That is certainly the case. Yeah. But it is the latest game released on a, on the on the business console. Really, it's not unreasonable to assume after twenty years of growth 
and consistent growth and zero rate interest rates, um, that a recession does has to happen. And history would say that it really does. I think the second side here is that if you're running politics and central banking, you need people to be convinced that a recession is coming to avoid a recession. You can't just say the recession is over because everybody- I, I, I disagree, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that wonderful saying, uh, I think it was Roosevelt who said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. These things are herd mentality. So if you convince everybody there's a recession, they will happily create a recession by laying people mm. off and ensuring that people don't have money to spend mm -hmm. and kicking, jump-starting a recession. Uh, and I would also disagree that we've had 20 years of normal growth. Mm. The past 20 years have been, in my view, super, super double-plus abnormal. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, we we essentially, we, wages have been stagnating. The gap between senior executives and workers has been growing in a sense, what we've seen is the complete, utter, and total catastrophic failure of trickle-down economics that some people still believe mm -hmm. is yep. like magic. I don't know, unicorns and, and whatever. Okay, it, so it let me ask you the question around that. So what you're suggesting, I think, is what we see a lot, entry-level jobs or, you know, the mainstream jobs in the consum that generate consumers, those people who on hourly rates at restaurants and, you mm -hmm. know, working in factories haven't received the benefits of the boom over the last 20 years. Is and that, now they're getting it. And mm. now it's kicking back and they're getting it and they're getting it for a whole bunch of reasons. And I think mm. you've pointed this out. Some of my colleagues have pointed this out. One reason is demographics. All the baby boomers have decided in the in the wake of COVID, not mm. all, obviously, but in the wake of COVID, it's like, screw this. I'm out of here. And they're an enormous chunk of the working populace. So suddenly we've got this yawning gap where all the baby boomers used to be. Mm -hmm. There's also the fact that in the UK and in the US and in certain certain countries, we've you know, cracked down, so to speak, on immigration. So suddenly you don't have people that you can ex easily exploitable people mm -hmm. running around. Um, so that sort of whacked the lower end of the, the pay scale. I actually do think demographics drives a lot of this. And so it should be very interesting to see how it goes. But, but if you look at the minimum wage in the United States has been skyrocketing. I yeah. actually just talked to my niece yesterday because she wanted to know what to charge for babysitting. And last time I looked at it, 10 bucks an hour was a pretty good rate. Yeah. I told her to look up the uh, the minimum wage in the state where we are. She looked it up and it was $13.45. Yeah. It's like, damn, you're getting underpaid, sweetie. Yeah, that's a 35% increase. And by the way, she's 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think there's two things happening here. One is if you're working in B2B and you're selling products to businesses, there's no recession. I My general belief is, and that, yep. you know, there are very very distinctly markets where this may not be true. But if you're working in business to consumer, there is a group of people who no longer have money to spend. They are feeling the pressure. If you are middle class or above, you might be doing just fine and you don't see the signs. So your perception of this may be different. Personally, I do see the, you know, I do see the signs in inflation, but I'm just looking at the macroeconomic worldview. I mean, basically, if you're, if you, if you are a low end worker, you have your pick of jobs. That's brand new. That yeah. is brand new. There's no inflation. There's no recession there. That there are people going yeah. holy cow. But they're also not being paid sufficiently. So you've got your pick of uh, jobs, no, just, but the pay rate, the pay rate. But the pay now, raise, the pay raise is actually overtaking. Has actually overtaken the wage mm. increase. Has overtaken inflation at this point. So yes. there's a net growth for, at the at the low end of the uh, spectrum. Now your point that you can't live on that is absolutely well taken because of all the yeah. speculation in real estate. They can't afford to, a place to live, which sucks. Mm. And that's different. So but, when yeah. we come back to the tech layoffs, they do yes. come with a generous severance. And generally, the companies take about a billion dollar loss for every 10,000 workers laid off. Mm -hmm. So that'll give you a, you, you do the math.
math on that and you work out the size of the severance. So a lot of these people get, uh, if they're in the US particularly, they get six months of health care. They often get three months of pay or even six months of pay. They don't get just ditched out on the street, homeless sort of thing. With the special case of the tech layoffs, there's something interesting going on, and mm. the the tech companies would never in a million years admit this. Mm. But what's going on is the folks on the on the left coast, California, Seattle, all those places, have been pl- paying what I will politely say are inflated salaries compared to the rest of the country, not mm. compared to the value of the employees, but compared to the rest of the country. So you have an average, you know, networking engineer who's making three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Nothing wrong with that. God bless you if you can get that salary. Uh, and it's what it takes to live in those highly inflated areas. Mm. But post-COVID, they actually don't have to pay the going rate for these expensive areas anymore. They can hire somebody in in Omaha or in Georgia for mm. half the pay, still get still get almost the same quality or, or the same quality. Mm-hmm. And even and the reason they don't want to tell you is because their official stance is everybody has to come back to the office, so we're stuck paying you know San Francisco rates. Yeah. But the reality is we've actually gotten our heads around the idea that virtual the work virtual workforce is a thing, mm-hmm. and we're scratching our heads saying why are we subsidizing people to live in you know in an office that they never go to at twice the the rate. What my guidance has always been to the people that have gotten laid off, hey, you're a valid you you're a valuable employee. You have a lot to give, but you're gonna have to look at taking a new Yeah, I think a lot of people are gonna have to reset their expectations. Reset expectations and move. I know that sounds horrible and everybody says that's terrible. Jonna, how can you possibly Mm -hmm. suggest that people leave their homes? But you know, look, over here we're a nation of immigrants. Pick up and move. There are beautiful places all over the country. Go and it find makes sense one. to do so. So just to give you some data on that, I get a regular email from an analyst agency looking at occupancy in the cities, mm-hmm. and they're saying that office occupancy has continues to hover. It's slightly below fifty percent. Last week, the ten city. This is all U.S. data. Ten city back to work barometer reached forty nine point eight percent accurate uh, occupancy. Aside from San Jose, which rose less than a point to forty two percent occupancy. Yes, remote work is a thing because people aren't coming back to the offices. They might be going back to the office for two days a week or one day a week or three days a week or whatever it is. But overall, occupancy. Yeah, overall, uh, yeah. you know, how, less than half is mm-hmm. not sustainable for the poor real, poor commercial realtors, Crimea River. Oh, it's um, going to be great so, because you should be able to see those beautiful cities turn a lot of the office space into accommodation. You actually can't. There's two, there's two problems, Greg. Mm. Uh, one is the technical problem, which is retrofitting an existing office building is actually just about as expensive as ripping the damn thing down and building it up from scratch. You have to reroute all the pipe work, take your standard office floor and think about how many bathrooms there might be there now, Mm. divide it into apartments and think about how many bathrooms there might be there. And now think about the fact that the walls are actually designed not to be busted through and have pipes pipes and yeah. power and everything no, routed through. So mm, um, It's doable. It's, it's not, doable, but, it's, but it's really not very cost effective. It's so not, we'll see how know, that plays out. And we're not but a the, real well, estate the second podcast. Thing, let so, me just, yeah. Yeah, let me <laughs> just uh, close the loop on that. Mm. The second thing, and I've been, I have one of my millennial friends keeps thumping me on the head with this, is uh, in the United States, we have back word zoning rules. We do not like multifamily we do not like multifamily zoning and we do not like mixed use zoning. We don't like the idea of combining businesses. So uh, let's so, come back yeah. to the tech layoffs. I think, yeah, and the other thing about the tech layoffs is we are talking about 200,000 or whatever the number might be. Well, it was 200,000 last time I looked at it. It's yeah. probably up from that. But it's also worth pointing out that they hired 500,000 people last year 
and they're continuing to hire. So even and they're though continuing they, to hire in the tech space. Yeah, that's right. It's very strange to me that they would go through and they complain about how expensive it is to recruit and how much time is spent recruiting, but then they go and lay all these people off that they've already recruited and onboarded, but then they sack them instead of redeploying them. I do you think it has to do with the salaries that they're doing out? Mm. Countrywide global reset in salaries because the you, you can't you can't sustain that that difference in salaries where the same engineer is twice as expensive, you know, a thousand miles away, particularly in the world of virtual work. The other point I want to make though, and I really want to raise this for those two hundred thousand employees that have been laid off. Now is an excellent time to go start your own company. And even mm. if only 10% of these guys and gals start their own company, that's 20,000 new companies. If only 10% of them are even moderately successful, that's still 2,000 new companies that are successful. Changing I think Googles a lot of these the people Microsofts. have been living inside of social utopi- socialist utopias like Facebook and Google where everything gets given to them on a, you know, like they have all but of their housing what? is provided, their clothing is washed for them, they have on-site you know gym, what? They live people, in a crash, for goodness sakes. Uh, you know? uh, yeah, look, we're both gen- Xers and we're both like cynical mm. and kids these days are too coddled. But honestly, you no, take no, no, I'm not. In the, I'm not saying that at all. I've been to Facebook campus and the Google campus. I, I understand and, that, but what I'm know. trying to tell you is, you take somebody, even if they've been totally coddled in mm. in what you call socialist utopia, you throw them in the cold water of mm. unemployment and watch what they do. Yeah, That's we'll actually see. a life altering experience for a lot of people. And when they're done with it, <laughs> they will have changed the world. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Now another angle that I saw from several Annus reports, which I was out. Uh, which I was reading as this was going on, is that a lot of CEOs and executives are admitting that they think they've made huge mistakes in overhiring and are happily admitting it's their fault. Now, there's a couple of things there. One is, if you're overhiring, why did you do that? Were you just so incompetent that you thought hiring more people was a good idea? Did you have ideas for business that now don't pan out? Like, were you building new businesses or new products that you're expecting to sell? And now that money costs and needs a 10% return, your formulas change. It's no longer that viable. Are we actually in a point where they're just saying we're overhiring as a way to gloss over the issue? Could be one of any of those. In the era of big companies, this is why I'm so pro go start your own company, shake up the environment, because I think it's a really good idea. But what happens is when a company gets to a certain size, the people who are running it are extremely good at one thing, which is not running companies. It's at corporate politics. The dirty little secret to corporate politics and I, one could say politics more broadly, but I don't have experience there, but I do in corporate politics, is that as you climb the ladder, it's less and less about getting anything actually done and more and more about being good at corporate politics. So you end up with the people making strategic decisions who have no clue how to make strategic decisions. They're just really good at making sure the other guy gets knocked out of the race. <laughs> yeah. And that's not a skill that translates to business success as we're seeing. In a lot of respects, we keep talking about the past 20 years. The past 20 years have been built on an entire exercise of play pretend it, across many, many dimensions. I mean, I won't even talk about why people think it's a great idea to, ha- to have the star of a reality show, TV show become the president of the United States. I mean, mm. that's just nuts. But generally, there's been play pretend money in Silicon Valley, as you pointed out at the beginning mm-hmm. of this show, for 20 years. The idea was if you showed up and you had the right pedigree, usually Stanford Wharton, mm-hmm. and you had the right look, a little scruffy, maybe a black turtleneck, maybe the right voice, <laughs> you know, you get you get r- insane amounts of money. Your, your company uh, gets... We're seeing that crazy... That's- 
that's going was away. true, but that's going away. Like nowadays, that's going most away. Of but I'm are, yeah. But wait, 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 wait. Hmm. Looking in the rearview mirror, we've had 20 years of people coming coming of age with that being the model, so they don't actually understand the whole concept of you have to sell a thing that adds value to the person buying it oh, to so the many, point where they give you real money. There's so that many is products. like not a thing. Oh, there's so many products which are just like. I think this would be fun to play with. Let's see if they'll sell two years later. Uh, I, hey, I'm, I'm just happy that they actually create products. I'm really yeah. not kidding because so many of these companies get started on Slideware. Mm. You know, Theranos is the extreme example. It never worked, but that's just that's typical for Silicon yeah. Valley. And I think now, what we're seeing is that the senior executives who came of age with that kind of training don't fundamentally understand what it means. So that getting back to your overhiring, that's why they make really stupid rookie mistakes like overhiring. This gets into an issue which I'm also highlighting, which is a lot of CEOs and company executives are not taking any pain here. If they failed by overhiring or failing to identify products that should have been, and they can't be bothered redeploying these people, why are they not taking pay cuts? Why are they not getting fired? Because well, they're not, in fairness, you know, I'm going to do a shout out to Eric Yuan, who's the CEO of, of Zoom, who is taking mm. a massive pay cut at the moment. But yes, he's the exception, not the rule. Mm. Um he, got, he, took a, to, he took a 98% pay cut. Um, yeah. Now, whether that's which, salary which just or brings shares. Him down, mm, mm, yeah. that just, no, I'm sure it's only salary. That brings mm. him down to the level of everybody else in the company. But, mm. hey, it's a step. Yeah. And it's a, it's a mea culpa. You know, it's mm. for, those, for those who are religious at the moment, it's Lent. We're supposed to be sackcloth and ashes. Mm -hmm. And he's at least, he's got the spirit. But, yeah, I think that's true. And I think that's more broadly the case across society at the moment where, there's a sense of entitlement at the senior levels. I'm reading a really cool book on leadership, by the way, called mm. Turn the Ship Around. Mm -hmm. It has to do with uh, leadership on a nuclear submarine. And one of the points that the the commander of the submarine brings up is that in this ship with incredibly low morale, incredibly low performance, incredibly low competence, there's this sense of entitlement among the senior, the senior enlisted officers so that they don't have to stand watch as often as the juniors do. Mm -hmm. You know, they have this whole special little world. Yeah. And it's what humans do when they're in an environment of sort of general hopelessness and lack of accomplishment. Yeah. So I think there's a, it's all symptoms of. So a, you think that's uh, valid criticism problem. that a lot of CEOs and senior executives are getting away with it? They're deflecting well, I think they're blame getting away or with deflecting responsibility. I, I think they're getting away with it because they can, because I keep coming back to the past 20 years has been an mm. entire exercise in play pretend. They really believe yeah. their own press. Elon Musk is an extreme example. The guy yeah. may have accomplished something in his life. I'm not really sure. Mm. What he did accomplish was getting credit for all the companies he's been part of. He accomplished that damn sure. I'm looking at Twitter and I'm not seeing massive leadership skills here. I think no. that exercise where he called I think, it. I often suspect that Elon's um, succeeded in spite of himself. He's had <laughs> yep. been there to get something off the ground. He's good for the first year or so, but after that, he's not. I was thinking about this this morning and I have a lot of friends who are working, doing great work in mm. tech. Uh, and I, I keep thinking, hang on, I seem to recall during the tech boom that they that they made a whole ton of money and didn't have to work anymore and told all of us mm. that we were idiots and of course, I remember at the time thinking you just were in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And strangely, they're working today. So I guess it was either they blew their money or it wasn't real money in the first place. Yeah. But I think we're seeing a lot of that again. So my commentary there is that a lot of CEOs and executives understand that their careers are brands and they have to polish the perception that they're perfect right. or talented or whatever, because a lot of the times they are actually hired by other companies, even though they failed massively. Look at Silicon Valley, people who have oh, yeah. four or five failed companies 
are actually told, well, you must have learned something from your multiple failures. Therefore, we'll hire you to do another startup. So you're basically saying that the problem is everybody took our advice from the last show. <laughs> yeah, your career as a brand. I also felt that it's very interesting that there, there's not a lot of layoffs in outside of the technology economy. So in the way, wider economy, we're not seeing factories wind down. We're not seeing Donald's and so forth. There was some spread of the layoffs that did happen. And that sort of points to the fact that this became a trend. And a lot of company, a lot of shareholders said to companies, you're taking risks with my shares. I want you to do a headcount right. cut, not because you need to, but because we just think that that's a good way to squeeze a bit of a dividend out of you in the next quarter or two. Very talking, very, I don't want to say theoretically, but, you know, based on economic principles. But you've also personally raised the issue that when it started happening, your 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 sense was that that the senior executives were also just yanking the leash on their employees because mm. what's happened, what happened yeah. during COVID was people dispersed to their homes, began to do work in a different fashion, began it, yeah. to feel empowered. And it's this is just a, you know, smack the peons down kind of exercise. And I think it's important to note that because... I guess the, the picture that I keep painting in a nutshell is that we've got dysfunctional principles giving rise to dysfunctional economy and a dysfunctional society at the moment. And mm. we're overdue for a reset Yeah, because you can't have this environment where the rich get richer and richer and richer and rig the rules again and again and again to get richer and richer and richer still. And everybody else becomes a peon. It just doesn't work. And oh, by the way, you know, it's particularly not going to work with the advent of AI and automation, which is going to come crashing into this. And if the end result ends up being that the 98% suddenly get tossed out on their butts because of AI and automation, you know, Katie, bar the door because civilization is over at that point because nobody's going to stand there for, you know, having their family's livelihood taken away from them by a bot to make, you know, the, the one in a hundred richer still. It's mm. just not going to happen. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's going to happen for the simple reason that I'm not the only one that's predicting this and everybody's looking at it and going, ooh, this could, this could be big. Now, I think the thing that surprises me is that even though we talk about all these layoffs, they probably hired as many people in the last three months since the layoffs in December. Well, I think the individual companies doing the layoffs haven't. <clears throat> it's other companies doing the hiring. And, uh, you know, you raised the point that manufacturing isn't hurting. In fact, we're bringing in the U.S., we're bringing manufacturing back on these shores because it suddenly dawned on us. It's not a great idea mm -hmm. to have all of our manufacturing and supply chain dependence on countries that well, maybe don't have our best interests at all. Well, heart. back then they didn't. That wasn't a problem, but now it is, and so it has to be done. I've got it a was a problem back then. It was just one of those really. Well, we took a chance decisions. on globalization, and it hasn't worked out, but it was worth a try. That's why well, I, I disagree that. that it was even worth a try. I remember mm. sitting there at the time, going, "This is stupid. <laughs> this is going to look really stupid now that we've destroyed all these industries that we actually need. This is stupid." Yeah. Um, and the only thing that the United States has been able to, well, one of the very few things that the United States has been able to agree on is this idea that maybe energy independence is important. And, you know, we'll look at Western we'll Europe at the moment. Well, then people don't listen. Don't. Do we have any recommendations? If you're listening to this, what do you take away? My takeaway is that shareholders are no longer expecting to take risk. So if you're a shareholder of a company, you're saying to the executives, my, my share price is at risk. I don't want to lose any money. Go and sack all the workers. Go and cut costs. Go and – and – the concern that I have is that capitalism is based on the idea, or modern capitalism at least, that the shareholders invest at and taking risk that their capital can can shrink. But what's happening here is that 
instead of them taking the risk that the business has up and downs, it's being transferred away from shareholders onto workers and customers. So customers are now sitting there with products that are now end of life and it's up for them to pay for it. If you've bought a startup and the startup fails and you've been using their product, you're now on the hook for the costs because the shareholders pulled out because they don't want to keep throwing money into it. Uh, if you're buying a Google product and then all of a sudden Google says end of life, you're taking the risk, not Google shareholders. And I wonder how much of that is a concern. I wonder if you've got any thoughts on that. Well, I'm going to circle back to the question, what are the takeaways? I'd say the takeaway is if you are one of the affected tech workers, or even if you're not, think long and hard about your relationship with of employment to large companies. Um, I, wrote, uh, I wrote a piece on LinkedIn talking about the fact that quite a number of the people who've been laid off actually believe these companies were different, that mm. these companies were a vocation in addition to just being an employer. As Greg always has said on this show, and I sometimes argue with him, but he's right on this point, it's a job. It is not a vocation. It should not replace a true vocation in your life. If the situation is such that you're treated as though you're disposable, which is what happened if you're one of the 200,000, now is an excellent time to start your own company using the technology chops that you've learned and connections that you've made and challenge the status quo. There are lots of companies out there who are not absolutely soulless, soul-destroying. You can be one of them. Sometimes they start out that way and then they convert. But in any event, what we really need, what everyone really needs, including you, is a reset of how we're doing business because these companies that get bigger and bigger and bigger and start rigging the rules to protect themselves Hmm. are just going to be a bad thing across the board. So we need more new young companies that challenge the status quo. And guess Uh, what? If you're one of those if you're one of those tech employees, now is an excellent time to start. So one. I guess I'd go different. I'd go. It's unlikely that most people will start a company. No, of you, course. I said ninety percent won't. Well, but for the, the other ninety percent, will make the difference. Save up six months worth of runway. Oh, uh, always. People call that you know stuff you money, which is a, a term I quite like. So that if you're in a job and you don't like, you can always just sit there and go, "Thanks very much. I'm out." Uh, and you can move from oh, job yeah, to you job. Should be, and, you know, you should yeah, have, no matter what yeah. your job is, you should be living so that you have at least six months to a year runway for you, your family. Yeah. So that gives you enough time to plan to downsize if you need to downsize comfortably. It's not an absolute shock. Yeah. And I, I think, I don't know if I don't know if kids these days actually yeah. think about that, but it's a really, really important sure, thing to do. But again, I'm sure a lot of them do. I, I, I do think we see a lot of promotion of the wrong lifestyles in social media from what I've seen on, you know, the TikToks yep. and the YouTubes where people go out and blow money on pointless things. But that's because most people don't do that. Most people are saving. And that lifestyle of just saying, oh, bugger it, you know, let's waste money sort of thing is desirable and remains desirable. So I, I don't take the view of a lot of people, the boomers who look at it and go, oh, I guess I have an avocado toast instead of saving money. But uh, I do think most people are. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you on this. I think the time is absolutely right. And, and I've started a company, so don't tell me it's not possible. You've started a company. Don't mm-hmm. tell me it's not possible. I think it's easier than people think and it's harder than people think. And it's And even if most people don't do it, it doesn't matter. The 10% who do can hire the 90% who didn't. And the 10% of them who succeed can, you know, continue to hire and so forth and so on. Why not try now? You could be one of them. Yep, potentially so. Or now's the time to think about what sort of career you might want that's not necessarily where you were before and make the change. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I moved from normal employment or full-time employment to self-employed and freelancing contracting. And uh, that's worked out well for me. It was a bit of a shock, but, you know, there you go. And you may yeah, you may move from making tech products to doing tech inside another company, or you may move to something that has nothing to do with tech whatsoever because it's a, be a, a real thing that people need. You know, mm. it's funny. 
one of my neighbors is a robotics engineer, um, very talented and very good. His dream is to start his own HVAC company because we all need our HVACs repaired. He would have permanent employment, permanent self-employment, set his own hours, and that's that's his dream. And when he achieves it, it'll be a net win for everyone. Well, on that note, let's wrap it up for today. Jonah, where can people find you? Please come join us at nemertes.com slash community. That's where we all hang out and chat about these things on an ongoing basis if you don't get enough of it. So please come visit us there and you can always find me and Greg on LinkedIn. And Greg, you are also on Twitter at Ethereal Mind, correct? Yeah, at Ethereal Mind, which is my personal brand. <laughs> For those of you who know, but you can find out the Packet Pushes Network is at packetpushes.net. If you've got any feedback or you want to tell us positive or negative, head over over to packetpushes.net slash FU. Form there where you can send it in and just tell us what you're thinking. Don't need your name. Don't want to track you. We respect your privacy. Uh, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks.